everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. This one's pretty special. I recorded, I'm recording this now back in my house, but a couple days ago I was down uh, in the final days of the pre-PWC in Zapoltec uh, outside of Guzman in Mexico. It was the first time that uh, Miguel Gutierrez and his incredible team, Alas del Hombre, uh, put up a comp there. I think it was the first comp they've had there in Mexico. They've been flying in that region and uh, near those volcanoes for a long time. But of course, most of us all flock down to Valle every year. Uh, Got to put in a shout for those guys again. It's just an amazing place to fly, an awesome place to race. Really psyched that they're going to keep doing that every year. This was kind of the test piece. It was absolutely amazing. And uh, got to encourage all of you to listen to the show when they have that support tech open next december to definitely head down there just an awesome venue uh we had parades and huge feeds and the, the locals are just totally into it just like they are in valle uh really cool place a lot more possibilities actually than valle you can uh a lot of ways to win a race down there instead of just kind of following the gaggle around. So it was very exciting. Huge thanks to the El Astalombre team. Uh, this podcast is with Miguel Gutierrez, who I knew was a legend, who I knew was rad, but I had no idea the depth of it. His father was the first one to skydive down in, and not really even skydive, like base jump back in like 1930. Just this, this is absolutely amazing. This one's all about the history of the sport. Uh, Miguel was the first one to ever fly in Valle. He cut his teeth in the Owens um, flying gliders that you just, you wouldn't believe. There's going to be all kinds of pictures up uh, when we put this up live. And uh, you got to check those out. His dad was known as El Gato, the cat. Uh, but before we get into it with Miguel, uh, just because I'm so excited to put this up. But before we get into it, just a few items of housekeeping. One, we had this cool giveaway for uh, the Power Traveler battery and the Flymaster Vario and the solar panel. Uh, I've got the winners of that. I just wanted to read a couple of them. First from Gabriel Bass. Uh, cloud-based mayhem is the ultimate mental training, one of the most essential aspects for the paraglider pilot or any human being for that matter to master. Each podcast is, the podcast is worth hundreds of hours of experience in the air because we are gaining the experience of the best in the biz. Gavin makes you feel like you're a part of the team of the most diverse, qualified, and entertaining pilots in the world. Because the culture of paragliding is beautiful representation for this podcast can be eye-opening for anyone that wants to be at the top of their game in any profession or sport. In addition to the most incredible flying tips, I have learned how paragliding can permeate into every aspect of our lives, including culture, teamwork, flow, competition, relationships, safety, spirituality, mental, and physical health. With cloud-based mayhem, you can fly through life. I dig that. So, Gabriel, thanks so much. You got a Vario coming your way. Uh, the other one, if I can, this is going to be trick to, tricky to switch around here. The other one's real simple from Troy Brainbridge. He shares this stuff all the time. And he just said, crucial listening for pilots, seriously entertaining for the rest. So, thanks, guys, so much. Uh, the other one's going to Jeff Shapiro, who's been on the show twice. He put up a really cool comment after the Dustin podcast. And I'm going to be sending him some swag as well. I really appreciate you all sharing the knowledge and sharing the love. Um, that is very cool. And a way for, I got to switch back to another thing here, um, a way that I want to show appreciation to all of you. Uh, one of my sponsors in Gar is Garmin. Of course, they picked up DeLorme, so they're now the owner of InReach these days. Uh, they just put out a new model about six months ago, maybe a little bit longer than that. And uh, as you all know, I am way more 
hip to uh, in reach than I am to spot. I just, you know, I hear these, I hear people say, oh, well, it's way more expensive. And I just think that's hogwash. I mean, we buy paragliders, uh, we paraglide, I mean, what, it, it's your safety. So if you ask me, you have to have an in reach. I mean, spots certainly better than nothing. It's nice to have the tracking, but I mean, to have that two-way communication and be able to uh, tell people specifically what's going on. We had a rescue here a little over a year ago. If we hadn't had those, if everybody actually in that team hadn't had in reaches, it would have been a way worse scenario. So get yourself an in reach and uh, for a limited time, in fact, between the 15th when this goes live and the end of the month, so 30th, so it's only available for 15 days, you can get us. Uh, 10% off of uh, any inReach, uh, so either the SE model or the Explorer model. And uh, this is a specific code to the listeners of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. So uh, go on to their site, Garmin.com. I believe this works for anybody around the world, but I'll, I'll make sure on that. Uh, the codes are, there's quite a few, but it's Gavin2017. Gavin Space 2017, Gavin 2017, or yeah, or, or sorry, lowercase or uppercase, any of those should work. If you have any trouble with that, uh, just send me an email through cloudbasedmayhem.com and I'll make sure you get the hookup. So that's ten, again, that's ten percent off. So that should save you about forty bucks, forty-five bucks off a, of a new garment in reach to get you psyched and stoked and ready for the new season. Uh, what else? I think that's about it. I want to get into this show. We did this live down in Mexico with Miguel. There was a little bit of uh, background noise, but I think it should be pretty good. We got going early. Fantastic. Just amazing how they got that all set up. Amazing to learn how he's gotten sponsors so interested in it. Uh, by far the most uh, experienced and professional team at running comps in the world, but so, so, so much more. And uh, really cool to just see how Miguel's passion started for this sport literally when he was tiny. He's the youngest of 10 kids, uh, amazing family of pilots, and you have got to check it out. So enjoy this most incredible conversation with a very good friend of mine. I'm happy to call him my friend, Miguel Gutierrez. Miguel, it's a real honor. I've been so excited to talk to you for so long, and it's nice to be able to do this in person here in Zapoltec at this amazing comp. Uh, I can't wait to tell everybody about this uh, wonderful place you've found, another place for us to race. And usually in these conversations, I would ask to start with your history, but in, in this case, I, I really want to start with your dad's. You know, you were showing me these photos yesterday, uh, which listeners were going to put some of these online. You, you have to check these out. It's just amazing. But tell me about your dad and, and a, a little bit about the flying history of your family before we get to you. Hey, thank you very much. It's an honor for me. Hola, amigos. Uh, Yes, uh, well, my father started flying in 1927. Uh, he got the license, the Mexican license number 34 or something like that. So he started with the, the civil aviation in Mexico, actually. And uh, he was like 17 and uh, he was working and he, he was not rich. He was uh, just uh, working on coffee. Mexico City so 
when he saw the first airplanes flying around Mexico City, he he wanted to to go in and fly on one of those. So, but he didn't have any money. So, uh, to do that or to learn. So, what he did was to get in in the first um, parachute corps of the army and uh, like a volunteer. And he taught, uh, used to tell us that five, uh, 10 people uh, sign in and only only three jump from the airplane. And uh, he was one of them. And since then, he really liked it. And uh, so he started jumping from the airplanes. And then he learned to fly immediately, like uh, at 17 years old, only three hours of teaching, and he was flying alone. And after that, um, what he was doing was like an air shows or just... Uh, like the original Red Bull athlete. Yes, yeah. <laughs> actually. <laughs> like, uh, so in order to get uh, at the spot on the landing, because those parachutes didn't have any controls, so um, what he was doing is uh, like a base jump, basically. <laughs> the very, very, very low. He he walk on the on the wings, and then jump from the wing, uh, very very low, so he can open the chute and just land, <laughs> like like, <laughs> and um, so he became uh, he the, 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 their friends give him the name of the cat because he has uh, um, more than seven lives, and um, so. Um, after that nickname, he thought, well, what I'm going to do is jump with, with cats. <laughs> and somehow he started um, building uh, small parachutes for, for their cats. He used to love cats anyway. <laughs> anyway. But I think it was like, uh, I don't know, weird. And <laughs> so, um, so he started jumping with the cats. And at, at that time... You can imagine in Mexico, um, even only looking at the sky and see, see those airplanes flying was amazing for the people. And then uh, suddenly a, uh, some weird guy came, land with a cat. It was like, a, I don't know, like a black cat, you know, like yeah. magic or something like that. Yeah. So that was like uh, the starting of um, this flying this loving of flying in my family. And you showed me pictures that he also built parachutes for the cat. Yes, yes. So he so he would like throw them off a bridge and then they would parachute down. Maybe it's not nice in this this time, you know, because <laughs> because it's like uh I don't know, uh, protecting the animals, but maybe they liked it. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, so I'm the last of my, we have a, my family is very big. It's a, we are 10, 10, five brothers, five sisters, and I'm the last one. So um, my father born in 1910. And um, so since kid, I, uh, I flew, you know, I was flying in my father's airplanes and we always go every weekend to fly and see my older brothers uh, flying sailplanes and so we 
And you said he w was your dad the first one to bring a sailplane into Mexico? Oh, yes, yeah. also, yes. Yeah. He was, uh, uh, he flew a uh, sailplane from Mexico City to Acapulco. Uh, the, he, somebody towed him halfway and then he flew to Acapulco and... Uh, um, yes, and he he was famous also because uh, nor when somebody disappeared, when the, the pilot disappeared flying around the country, uh, my father always was a volunteer to go and find them. And uh, normally he find found many of the pilots that uh, had an accident in the mountains in Mexico at that time. So he was... He got a lot of medals and things like that, you know. Yeah. And actually, he was uh, part of the development of the Mexican law or the, the like the FIA, mm. the Mexican FIA. Yeah. Uh, and um, today, you can find his face in a, like a mo little monument or something yeah. at the Mexico City airport. Oh. There's many many um, famous avi um, aviators, yeah. yes. And that was my father. And he, he just say the, the plaque, that the name, and, and the, the name is Agustin Gutierrez Peláez, the cat. And then they put, uh, there's, there's always another day to fly. That was the, the, the famous words of my father. So when uh, my Vico is my my closest uh, brother, mm -hmm. he's only one year and a half older than me, and uh, he was always uh, doing crazy stuff, also like my father. And um, he started building, and in 1973 or 74, we saw an incredible magazine called Wings with um, hang gliders. It was a hang gliding magazine, but I think it was from Britain or okay. Europe. I don't remember, but it was colorful. And we saw those uh, hang gliders, you know, Rogalo, many like colorful and many people flying those things. So we just uh, start not uh, sleeping, you know. <laughs> we were just dreaming about having one of those or flying one of those. And how old are you then? Uh, maybe 12. Okay. And then at 13, uh, my, my Vico was like 15. He came up to the house with uh, full of garbage, like tu <laughs> tubes, tubings that he found in a construction. It was a PVC tubes. And he was very excited and tell us, look, we're going to build a hang glider, you know. Because we saw many pictures from Bob Wheels and Chris Wheels flying the bamboo gliders. Mm -hmm. And uh, so here we go. Then we start building this hang glider and uh, we didn't, I mean, the center of gravity and those things it was probably not in the right place. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, my mother helped us to sew so, 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 yes. the 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 sail it was a plastic sail we went to uh, my fa my father's coffee factory it was big and they have a lot of material there and so we built it and so 
Then we we went to some hi little hills around Mexico City to fly it. And uh, only long last that afternoon, you know. Yeah. It, it broke, break immediately. <laughs> and we just feel some kind of lift, but yeah. uh, we actually never, that thing never flew. <laughs> But uh, the second, the second try, uh, my Vico also found some uh, aluminum tubing, and uh, we built another one, bigger. But uh, and then that that hang glider, we we bring it to a air show that my older brother did in Mexico City. With he was flying uh, pit specials yeah. and sailplanes in this air show. So we um, set up the hang glider on the on the main runway. Uh, there was a lot of public uh, do, uh, um, um, attending this air show, and um, from the public, when, when we built this hang glider there, from the public came came some people that they have already contact with the real hang gliders in Mexico, and. Um, uh, so they they told us okay I know where where they fly you know and uh, I can I can pick up this weekend and let's go flying so we were all amazed and so these guys pick up uh, uh, went to my house on the weekend and we went to the place where they were flying and we saw about fifteen hang gliders flying in these little hills around Mexico. And those guys were the pioneers, actually. Mm -hmm. It was the name Manolo Santos, Manuel Santos. And he get to know Bob Wills. And, and they get fr kind some friends at that time. They, they teach us some tips and this and that. Of course, they didn't allow us to fly this hang glider that we bring because it was completely <laughs> ridiculous. But... Um, <laughs> some some parachute um, parachutist, yeah. a friend of my brother, and in that air show land also with his parachute, and they he told us, hey look I have a real hang glider in my my house I change it trade it for a parachute, and I don't know how to fly it, uh, you can take it, and uh, when you learn you tell me and you teach me. And we were, I, I was 13 years old at the time. I don't know these guys, older guys, how they can think about <laughs> that, you know. I think everybody was just uh, in, in idiots. <laughs> but uh, so we bring this hang glider, uh, we, we pick up this hang glider with the friends that came into this air show because we don't even drive a car. I, I, so this, this guy that came down and see our hang gliders at that air show they have like maybe 24 years old or 25 so they anyway they pick us up the next weekend we bring this new hang glider with the old hang glider and then we start trying it my brother Vico flew it and crashed it immediately <laughs> and uh, so after that well you know, it's the stories that every weekend we just go to fly and we start flying. Uh, finally, we start flying the hang gliders. And uh, since then, the 
difficult part was that uh, we didn't uh, wanted to 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 go to school. You know, we just go just think about flying, and uh, well, after some a few years, we we survive. You know that that time. We managed to fly these Rogalos for 41 hour and a half, soaring. But um, we discovered everything because we didn't know that you can actually um, soar with the wind or things like that. Thermals, I think thermals, we, we discovered it many years later when um, when we travel to California, because what happened is that um, every weekend we go flying with these friends and we don't have money because we were kids. So these these friends always um, pay for the food and this and that. And suddenly they start telling us, look, you have to bring some money, you know, because <laughs> we cannot sponsor you all the time. So what they did is uh, buy two um, wheels wing universals. It's called uh, SST, Super Swallow Tail Universals. They, they were designed for teaching. So they bought two of those and they um, found, founded Alas del Hombre. Alas del Hombre means the wings of man. Alas is wings, hombre mm -hmm. is man. So they, they that that was how Alas del Hombre was found, uh, founded, and um, they hired my brother and me, like monitors or instructors. So they, so then we can pay our own food during the weekend, or so. So that was the the start of the company that I run today. Um, and then, uh, well, we, we, after a few years, we discovered Valle de Bravo in, eight, in 19... First, we discovered Tapalpa, actually, in, 19, in 1977. Uh, we discovered a takeoff there, and uh, we traveled all the way from Mexico to Tapalpa every, every year in October to fly this place. And uh, we have just a few places to fly. We didn't really know um, many of the... We were discovering everything because there was nothing. And um, I have to tell that the, the, uh, after two months of, of learning, the, the, like we just get into the sport. And these pioneers... The first day we, we went, these guys tell us that uh, a month ago, a guy was get killed. And uh, so that was the first news when we get into the training hill, the, the first day, mm. you know. So it was like very uh, intense, you know, yeah. serious. Yes. I, and... Um, after. Is this about the time uh, you, you were telling me that your, your mother was, uh, she helped you sew in the beginning, but then when she saw what you were doing, she did, really didn't want you to do it. And, yeah. and your dad would say, no, no, they'll be fine because I was fine. Something like that. Yes, yes. Yeah, my father always told my mother, look, don't worry. I mean, I didn't get killed when I learned to parachute. And I think these hang gliders looks 
look safe, you know, <laughs> they, they looks big, they fly slow, and and the kids, the bones of the kids are like uh, like plastic, you know, they don't, they will not break any bones. Don't worry. It was my older brother um, that uh, he he was a very good pilot. He got married with a Texas girl. <laughs> And uh, he became one of the Confederate Air Force pilots in in, the, in Texas. Mm -hmm. He was a very good pilot, acrobatic pilot. Mm -hmm. And um, and actually, he was the FIA um, president in Mexico, mm -hmm. or the Aero Club. Yeah. And um, so he got a lot of information about hang gliders and other air aircrafts. So he explained to my father and to and me and my other brother um, that the hang gliders had a problem with the stability when you make a stall. The point of um, pressure mm -hmm. goes back on over the back, and the the sail gets into a flutter, um, and you cannot recover it. The, when they get this flutter thing, you the, the glider just go. Uh, dive, and you cannot uh, recover it. So it was very dangerous. And he says, you cannot fly that thing. And, and they, they said, oh, look at these pictures. All the pilots are hippies, you know? They're, they look, I mean, you cannot, they're just crazy guys. <laughs> Don't, and um, so, <laughs> so these, these um, my friends, the old friends that, um, found uh, Alas del Hombre and they make this school they they organized a trip for my brother and me to California so we went to Silmar and we met uh, uh, Trip Mellinger he was a very famous pilot at the time because he was one of the first cross country pilots he flew about 30 miles in Cerro Gordo in Owens Valley at that time with a Phoenix Delta Wing Phoenix 6B. I, I remember this because all these guys were our heroes. And uh, so uh, he invited us to his house in California and we stay with him. And then we, we, we learn how to teach. We learn that you, you must have wheels on the bar, things like that, you know. Uh, we were amazed to see his school, you know, like uh, in a little building with everything all set with uh, simulators and a shop and, uh, all, you know, all professional. So we learned a lot about, about, about many things. So we bring all that knowledge to Mexico and we start teaching. But however, uh, again, I, I was... Uh, now I think, uh, and I said, how those adults, uh, the, our students were like 30 years older than us. We were only 15 years old, 16 year old. And uh, I, I don't understand why they um, became our students. You know what I mean? Yeah. We were just uh, and, and very young. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we start teaching people. And... Uh, but in the first years, uh, the the instructor, the, there was an instructor at that time, at and uh, at 
when we start flying at uh, just six months later, this instructor get killed also. And we were there, you know. So it was the most uh, shocking experience maybe in my life. I will never forget, you know, mm -hmm. because we were at takeoff, we helped him take off, and then uh, in a place called Jocotitlan, it's a very high mountain, uh, without our, we, they were taking off in a rock, very crazy, uh, with a lot of wind, because we don't even think about what time to fly, you know, like if one o'clock was okay, it doesn't matter. Right. We just jump into the air. And it was, uh, I mean, every, I'm, a, I'm very grateful to be here, you know, I'm yeah. very enjoying my life. At yeah. that time, every, every week when I get going to the bathroom, I saw my body and I was thinking, um, maybe tomorrow I'm not going to be here. How 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 is existentialist yeah. thinking yeah. at the age of seventeen? <laughs> I don't know. So then we, I remember we bought a Phoenix Eight. We jumped from the Rogallo to the Phoenix Eight, mm -hmm. and uh, we start flying the Phoenix Eight, the Phoenix, the you know those yeah. gliders yeah, yeah. that they come from the ashes. <laughs> <laughs> See, and um, well, I have uh, um, one of my nephews. I have, as I said, my family is very big, and my bro older brothers and sisters they got mm, their sons at at the same time when I was born. So I have many nephews at the same age, and one of them. We, we, they learned with us in, at that time, one of them was 12 years old, Santiago. And uh, after we learned, one month later, they, they went to, to California to live because my sister got married with a, a guy from California, Jeff. So they went and live in LA. And we were, my brother and me were really jealous because uh, we knew that California was the mecca of the flying, you know. All these heroes were there, actually right there yeah. in, in L.A. Yeah. So we were all jealous. So when they get to L.A., they write us, call us that, yes, we are here and, and we just met Bill Bennett and, and uh, this and that and, and Joe Greblo and Joe Greblo from from Silmar was so nice. Uh, he, he, he always been so nice. And uh, they teach us a lot. And my, my nephews were with him all the time and learning and they st start um, working at Bill Bennett factory. So um, by then, ev since then, I, I flew to LA every summer because in Mexico was raining and also it's summertime where the school is finished, the high school. So I run away to every summer since then, like, I don't know, 15 times. And uh, Bill Bennett gave me a job every time when I was in California. And so I used to cut the sail patterns of the hang gliders from Bill Bennett. And um, 
so I learned a lot there also because uh, every week we have to go and test the hang gliders. Every hang glider that we build, we have to test it, and we get paid for that also. And uh, so it was uh, very nice uh, times there. Then I I got sponsored for him to go to Australia and fly the hang gliding worlds and. Uh, I flew with many of the good pilots there, so I I became more and more experienced. Then I we start flying Owens Valley actually in uh, in the night in the night um, eighty one was the first time I went there. I was 18, 18 years old, and I I went to Owens without any expectatives, you know, in any yeah. expecting yeah. nothing, you know, uh, just uh, but. I don't know. I remember. I cannot uh, tell you. I I I have no conscience. Oh, you know. Yeah. It's like I don't even think how dangerous was. Right. Just. It's just that time. Yes. So big the place. No. There ro- no roads and. I don't even think it, what happened if you land somewhere, in the middle of nowhere. It's amazing to me to think what you guys were doing there then, and we still. I mean. Today, it's the strongest place, yes. maybe anywhere, you know, to fly. I mean, yes. there's, it's strong. It's like Sharano uh, um, right yeah. now or something. Yeah. Because, yes. And so I, I met Larry Tudor there and, and all the, you know, monsters. Yeah. And uh, um, Eric Raymond. And so uh, Pete Brock. Uh, was uh, very nice with us and um, he speaks perfect Spanish because he used to live in Tasco in Mexico uh, making business with um, silver so he had a perfect Spanish and uh, uh, when he saw us so young he was like what are you doing here you are crazy you cannot fly Owens Valley you know but um some of the Mexicans were, we went a group of Mexicans. One of them was having, uh, he was a rich guy and he sponsored, he was, he become UP dealer and he bought like five comets and he sponsored me with one. So I flew the competition without any thinking, nothing. And I finished uh, third place. And it was a, the cross-country open. So what they did is put the, the rigid wings flying with the hang gliders. Because at that time, they the Comet started flying uh, almost the same as the Fletch Gling, the Fletch, the rigid wings. So what they did is put them together so they can test it. And uh, that Larry Tudor won that competition. He beat... Eric Raymond, who was flying a, a prototype from Bob Trampano, the, the seed wing is called. It's a very strange wing with dihedral and and. Uh, yeah, you showed me pictures of that. Yeah. We'll put that up on the website. It's amazing. Amazing. The, the bar was a cable, <laughs> and uh, you have those. Uh, like uh, handles to move the ailerons and and it was a very fast wing 
and Eric Raymond was doing incredible loopings with that in the Owens. But uh, Larry Tudor beat him, and I, I placed third and I, um, over Rex Miller, who was a world champion with another fledgling. So Eric Raymond, I mean, Pete Brock was um, surprised, you know, and then he he built a special glider for me with the Mexican flag on the, on the kill pocket. And uh, so I flew the, the classic, the cross country classic. And at that time uh, we flew over hundred miles, like 17 pilots. What, what year now are we? 81. 81, wow. Yeah, uh, it was Steve Moyes, yeah. um, Rich Pfeiffer. Larry Tudor and we all flew over 100 miles but at that time it was uh, like uh, today they are flying 500 yeah. kilometers in yeah, a paraglider. Yeah. on that gear and yes. with that knowledge was that when you got the third it sounded like you were already completely obsessed so you were going to do it anyway but when you when you got the third there in that competition was that the kind of the eye opening for you like oh I could I could do this as a yes exactly a, yeah it was like uh, wow I I can do it yeah <laughs> and uh, well it was like uh, living in a dream you know yeah. it's like and actually when I, I when I went to those competitions I was in high school and uh, but that time my notes were terrible like I mean I was just thinking and drawing hang gliders during class, not paying attention of anything. And also, you know, the ego. I, I was better than the, than the professor, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. So, in, um, so I, I didn't get some, um, I didn't pass some um, um, like mat yeah, mathematics and all. I was, uh, how do you say? A really bad student. Yes, really bad. <laughs> so my teacher says, uh, you're not going to go to the next level, you know, and um, you, you have to do something. So um, so I said, well, the problem is that I don't even will be attending the, the final exams. And they say, why? Because I'm going to Owens Valley, you know. And they said, well, what's that, you know? Yes, this compet hang glider competition and it's a world class and I'm going I'm going there anyway. So they said, okay, the, the, like the director, the, he says, okay, well, it's your your call. Is you choose if you go there, you're not going to pass the year, you know. But um, what are you going to do? So I said, no, I'm going to fly there. And so they, he said, he told me, well, if you go and you place a good good place i i will give you the the pass you know <laughs> the <clears throat> like the current football players you're getting the you're getting the, the original pass back in the day i love yeah. it <laughs> so when i came back i was very proud and uh, he he gave me the the, the year <laughs> yes and um so since then i i was going to owens every year all years for, um, I don't know, maybe until 1993, where the, world's, uh, the World Hang Gliding Championships was uh, organized there. 
Tom Creechy and these guys. So um, I went to to the this competition and I placed placed six. And in this hang gliding was my best position ever. And uh, it was John Pendry and yeah. many of these guys. And uh, since then, we start organizing competitions in Valle de Bravo. Since 93? No, before that. Yeah, we, way we, before I thought, yeah. Yes, we, we uh, organized the Daniel Gremion Cup. Daniel Gremion was one of the most um, popular and leaders of hang gliders at that time in Mexico. He was very nice. He was um, f uh, from France, Mexican, but coming from France. And uh, he was really nice guy and every everybody loves him, like Pete Brock of, at that time in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And uh, he get killed in a competi hang gliding competition in Mexico, in Tapalpa. And um, so we we love it, um, the, uh, Daniel. And uh, so we, we start doing this competition in El Peñón called Dan the Daniel Gremion Cup. Yeah. And it was very popular like Monarca. Yeah. Um, Gerard Tevenot from France came, John Pendry, Rich Pfeiffer, uh, all the, the... So that kind of became one of the stops. Yes. Yeah, okay, yes. on the tour. So Valle starts getting into the calendar, you know, at that time, yeah. for hang gliders. And you said you were the first person to fly Valle. Yes. It's that, amazing. Yes. I, I First was Tapalpa. Yeah. And uh, we came to Tapalpa like in a safari car without ceiling, without um, with the hang gliders there, like 14 hours driving at that time. The, the roads were terrible. There was no highways. And um, we, we uh, discovered Tapalpa. We built the takeoff and nobody wanted to jump the first time in Tapalpa at that time. And I was the first, I jump it, I, I take off. So I was the first time, the first pilot to fly Tapalpa actually also, oh, wow. because um, after I take off, everybody take off. And um, at that year in 77 or 78, uh, Trip Mellinger, the guys we met in California, the school, Windhaven School, they come down to Mexico and we they flew Tapalpa and the first article in the hang gliding magazine from the USPA, uh, written for uh, of Mexico, was this article. Mm. And I, you can, in, I have the collection of magazines of yeah. the USPA. Yeah. And uh, this article was the Hombres Pájaros of Mexico, was written by by Trip Mellinger, huh. and. Uh, it talks all about Tapalpa and Mexico, and it's funny. And, and uh, after Tapalpa, we discover Valle, Valle de Bravo. And how does that, how does it happen? How do you discover, and like, how do you, I, I wouldn't even, you drive through and look around. I mean, how did it, how did you discover that place? Well, first we discovered the place that is on top of Valle, you know, it's mm -hmm. La Torre, mm -hmm. which is right there. Yeah. And... Uh, because there's an, an um, forest tower yeah. for fire, fire. So we saw that 
and and we thought, well, okay, if that is a tower there for the forest, it must be a road. So we start looking at it. But when I was a kid, before five, since five year, years old, I was going to Valle because uh, one of my sisters, older sister, has a house in Avandaro. He was one of the first uh, houses there. And Valle was f very popular in the... Um, for the rich people yeah. because they were the first one to discover it for sailing you know sailboats yeah. um, and so like it was the first uh, sport in Valle the sailboats then the horses uh, horse uh, jumping yeah. because those sports are for more rich people yeah so they start going to Valle and buy ranch, build ranches, and that was the first developers. Okay. My sister was one of the f first of my family who uh, they have a house there. So we were there, going there since five years old. So when we start flying hang gliders, we always think about Valle mm. because uh, then some friends that they sail have sailboats they told us that the wind was always the same direction and perfect mm. not uh, too strong not too mellow so we we gotta find a place to fly there because it's beautiful so then we saw this tower and we saw the direction of the wind and that that's the place you know so uh, i remember i was again very young and a priest we were at dinner some somehow in Valle and one there was a priest there uh, he was like a missionary or something that he he was like very adventurous so he told me I tell him we were starting talking about hang gliders and that we wanted to fly in Valle so I show him the, the that the tower and he says well I drive you you know so he drive us and we get up and we saw the, the wind through the trees because it was full of trees. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, I talked to all the friends in Mexico and we organized a group and we, were, we, we went all, all, all the way to the, the, the top with, with the machines, uh, chainsaws, yeah, chainsaws, and we cut the trees without Permits. Yes, of course. <laughs> right. We have a saying in Mexico. It says, "Más vale pedir perdón que permiso," sure. which is it's better to say "I'm sorry" than to ask for permission. Mm -hmm. So we cut the trees, and uh, so I took off. I was the first one to take off. There was only three pilots there, and uh, the other two were older than me. And they don't wanted to take off first because they told me, no, you are more light, no, <laughs> you're so you can, you can, you you will pass the trees, you know, because the uh, it was not perfect yeah. when we, so I flew there and uh, the next weekend everybody came to fly, and from there to today is what what we discover the place. Of course, we didn't uh, know that that it was going to be so popular. Yeah. 
So after about in, in, in the eighties was where the Peñón was discovered that because we were flying there a lot, but somehow, you know, another guy discovered the Peñón mm -hmm. and uh, the road and everything was there, but there was no, no ramp at all. It was just trees. And then we did the same. We cut the trees and we opened the place and, And here we are, you know. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And then it was only until 2007 where we um, we applied for the world championships, the paragliding championships. Mm -hmm. And then we asked uh, the governor of the state to help us to build a big, big um, takeoff. So that uh, the governor is the actual president of Mexico. It's a major project to bring a hang, uh, paragliding championships. And so they help us to build this ramp. All this uh, working it's, has been very, very hard. Like the landing in, in, in La Torre, where the first place, By the, the lake is a dam, it's artificial lake. So they take the water, used to be for electricity, but now it's a part of the, they pump that water into Mexico. Mm. And uh, so what they do is they fill out completely the lake and then they start taking the water out. But when they fill the, the, the lake, the landing disappear. So we have six months normally without landing. So for about 15 years, we try to convince the, the authorities to build for us uh, like uh, the landing because we need it. Yeah. Yeah, so it keep a lot of time. I, I never been in politics. I really don't like it. I hate it actually, but you know, Since I was a kid and I saw everything growing, I have the opportunity to see so many things happening since I was a young kid that I have a lot of experience and, and I, I saw many mistakes and good good decisions and this and that. So I I find a way to to convince the politicians and the authorities and what's the what's what's best for the sport so i have I, i have been lucky to 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 take or to uh, find a way of having help from the government mm. um, and the government actually in mexico the tourism office from all these offices from the government the tourism office is really really good They really understand what, uh, how important is the, the, the tourism for Mexico. Mexico is one of the, it's, it's ranked on top of the tourism um, countries in the world. So they, they, this office is really well organized and they, they are kind of smart doing some things. So the paragliding and hang gliding is, is, We, we, what we do is, it's a sport, but we, what we do is putting on the tourism uh, area. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that helps us a lot. 
Mm. Uh, I did that in here in Zapotiltic. So I don't go, I don't go to the sports um, agent or yeah. the sports uh, government, whatever. That is very bad, yeah. you know. It's corrupt and this. But tourism is better because mm. it's, it's it's a sport, but it's more tourism. Mm. They understand that these people come and they spend money and they're yeah, it's good for the community. Exactly. Because I mean, when we got here, there was parades and I mean fireworks and food, and it was just amazing. It has a uh, paragliding has an, a big impact in the people in Mexico. Mm. It's, it's still very um, the people are still amazed to see a human landing in, in their backyard with a paraglider from out of nowhere. Yeah. So they get amazed. Just like my father land with a cat, you know? It's, yeah. So it still has that, because in Europe or United States, the people already know so many things. You know? They are used to all kinds of so stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But in Mexico, the magic still happen Still that bad. kind of magic you know yeah. it's like because it's more like the people don't and like Zapotiltic they don't even be uh, imagine that they have now a lot of people flying over their houses no when I was at the uh, the at the parade when you had the big stage a woman came up and she had a, her young son five maybe and uh, she'd spent quite a bit of time in Scotland, and she was just so excited to practice her English and and what is what's going on and and I, I explained it. And yesterday, her son took a tandem. Wow! And she she WhatsApped me. She's so excited, just thrilled, you know. But she, yeah, I don't think until this happened, she knew what it was. You know, it's pretty exciting. Maybe he'll be another. He'll be one of your good pilots in fifteen years. Yes, you never know. Like in Alas del Hombre right now, all my my instructors are from Valle. They, uh, Emma is a very good pilot, and Joaquin is placing very good in this competition. And all these guys are from there. Yeah. Joaquin is born in El Peñón, actually, in the little community down, down wow. the landing. Yeah. And they help us to, they start their career by, by helping us uh, folding the gliders. Sure. And now they are all instructors. They they earn more money than me. Probably <laughs> <laughs> they do a lot of tandems. Yes. Um, Miguel, over this these decades you've been flying and all this time, and the many many competitions you run in, in Valle, and then now here, you've obviously seen a lot of accidents and stuff. Uh, you always give the talk about the trees in in Valle and how to get down. What what are the kind of the some what are the what are the snakes in the grass that you see over and over again? What are the most common causes that could easily be avoided? Well, um, I run a school, and for me, it's a very big responsibility to to teach because I have seen so many accidents, as you said. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the most important thing is to keep learning because this is a sport that is growing still. Everything is changing. The paragliders now are different than the paragliders five years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I was listening to your um, exposure last night about the two liners was very interesting. 
those gliders are completely different. It's another way to fly them. And uh, as so I think it's very important to keep learning. And I have 40 years of 43 years flying and I still learn. I have there's a lot a lot to learn. Actually, I took uh, some of the um, clinics for the in the USPA. Mm -hmm. uh, every time I, I when I switched to paraglider, I went to Arizona and visit uh, Dixon White and to learn from him. And I I took the first USPA clinic there and I became instructor from USPA. And then also um, I met in Mexico, I helped Chris Santa Croce, David Bridges and all, all you guys when they came to Valle, I helped them out. So they they all they all invite me to the States on in summertime, just come and visit and do tandem for us, whatever. So I went to Aspen and and, and stay there for some months also in Sun Valley and doing tandems and I got I also make some instructor clinics there mm. I um, so it, it it really helps I mean uh, to learn I loved how the USPA do the um, clinics because they invite many instructors from many places and all of them has to teach or um, explain what how they teach their best techniques like if you are good in, I don't know, teaching these two-liner techniques, it's, it, um, everybody get your knowledge. And so if I am good in like meteorology and I explain, everybody will um, get my knowledge. So it's very, very good because... That kind of community. Yes, yeah. you, you have the best things from from the best mm -hmm. so learning is it's important because uh, is this sport is not like like uh, bicycles is uh, you have to learn uh, you have to know all the time now I am getting into the API the um, system because uh, because it's it's good you know uh, and I'm still learning I just get the instructor license, but not the master. Mm. So I have to do a lot of work to get all the certifications. So I like that. It's when, when I like to, when I switched, I, I, I was flying hang gliders and then I switched to paraglider. And then when I switched to paraglider, what I love mo the best was that I was nobody. You were new. Yes, yeah, I it's was the best to be new at something, isn't it? Yes, yeah. it's, it's amazing. A big sponge. Because you, you, you're. I was already having like lots of competitions, and I am Miguel and whatever. And then you go to paragliding, and you are nobody. Yeah. It's the same when I was uh, when I was going to the California back on those days. I was Miguel in Mexico, but I in California I was nobody. Yeah. I got a lot of. Uh, pilots uh, yelling me that I was doing very stupid things in California, no? So 
is the way you learn yeah. because you are nobody. Yeah. And uh, I like that. So I think it's important to learn and go to um, the right place to teach, to, to get uh, knowledge. I think it's, I, I have seen one very dangerous thing that happened in the hang gliding and paragliding community, which is the ego. Mm. Like sometimes, uh, um, well, many times uh, the people, the pilots get this ego thing and, and once they learn to fly cross country or whatever, it's a very dangerous part, you know, it's like the intermediate syndrome yeah. where they, they think they knew, but you never knew. It's yeah. a, you always have to learn yeah. and uh, that's very, and, uh, in Mexico, we don't have a very good, we don't have a, um, like a Yushpa, like a federation. We have it, but it's not working. Mm. And uh, what we are seeing is many people that learn to fly, they start teaching their friends and they teach and... They're not teaching correctly and yes. the, they don't have their own foundation. Yes, and uh, so we are... I, I can see that they are doing the same mistakes that I did back, back, back then. Yeah. So it's unnecessary. It, exactly, it's yeah. unnecessary. We're seeing that in a really big way right now with the speed flying community at, at home, and it, they, they, um, for whatever reason, they they don't like Ushpa and and they want to do it on their own and and uh and it's it's an ex it's exciting because it's an exciting kind of new sport i mean it's still paragliding but it's a, but uh, they just the, these crashes are horrendous that you know and a lot of really bad accidents and it's unnecessary yeah. you know if there was there there's you can learn all that in a really safe way but they just they're they're doing it cowboy they're doing it like like you did it back in the day and it's 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 really sad to see because it's it, it's totally unnecessary you know all the systems are there to learn meteorology and learn how wings collapse and learn the the dangers that we've all learned you know well uh for my part i am still learning and uh i now i'm doing like another um, courses with api and this and and uh, it's still very interesting like meteorology is you always learn and we never know <laughs> it's important to to um, to know that we are f we are doing a sp uh, something that is uh, it's uh, a lot of things the air it's invisible and um, it's it's the is where we are going to to go so we we need to be careful uh, when i switched to paragliding it was like in 87 and yes i was right in the beginning yeah i was uh, in in silmar working for bill bennett yeah. again as i said i was going every summer so i was flying my hang glider in silmar and suddenly I saw a paraglider in the same thermal getting up. It was like very square thing. Yeah. I already knew about paragliding, of course. I remember 
uh, Roy Haggard. Yeah. Roy Haggard was the designer of the mosquito and the comet. Mm -hmm. I mean, the comet was like the glider. the glider, you know, they changed the sport. And Roy Haggard went to Mexico for a show a long time ago. I don't even remember. But they flew off in a, a stadium in Mexico City. He and um, Mike Arambite, they okay. went to Mexico. And we went to this show and we saw them taking off from the roof of the stadium. And then I invite him home and, and he stayed with me. And he was completely a hero, you know. Yeah. It was just older than us. He was very young also. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember that he, he flew off a, a, par, a square para, parachute, you know, the, yeah. with control in Waimanalu, in Hawaii. So it was like a paragliding beginnings. Yeah. I remember that. So, and then we start looking in Europe, the developing of the sport. And I was like very interested because uh, I, I thought this is going to be the future because, uh, and I was not close, you know, like other hang glider pilots. That because I, I, um, I start the hang gliding, you know, when the hang gliding starts. So I saw how it, the, the sport de developed. Yeah. So when I saw the paraglider, I said, this is, this is interesting because every time you set up a hang glider, we were always saying, there's going to be a time when you don't have to, Set up. To set up a hang glider, you know, yeah. all this is, this has to be changed. Then I remember the first Atlas, the La Muette, mm -hmm. that you just put two pins. It was very incredible hang glider, you know, that's very smart from Gerard Teveno. But anyway, when I saw this paraglider in Silmar, in the thermal, I was really amazed. And then I saw where he land and I land there. And that he was a Mathieu de Quignac, a French okay. guy that still flies. And he, he was one of the founders of Ozone, actually. Oh. He comes from, a, from Barcelonette in France. And uh, Barcelonette, the biggest community of French in Mexico, comes from Bra Barcelonette. Mm. And actually, Valle de Bravo is uh, just a few months ago, they become Barceloneta, Valle de Bravo, uh, brother cities. Oh. Uh, and they make a big ceremony. Mm. And if you go to Barcelonet, there's a lot of Mexican stuff because the biggest community in Mexico is from there. Yeah. And they come, it's a poor, poor song, poor, I mean, poor yeah. in yeah. France. But now it's very rich because the Mexican community comes from there, yeah. are very wealthy now and so they they send money to there mm. whatever so Matthew is from there so when we land we talk all about this and that and the paragliders and this and that so he was very excited because he he spent like three months in the United States traveling with their paragliders and uh, looking for promotion and you know showing the new sport but he was really sad at that time because he never had any 
it was not popular. Mm. Actually, he didn't. He when he was trying to take off in Silmar, they didn't want him. Wow. No, you know, this is what you are crazy. No, <laughs> the insurance and this and that. So he went to other hill and take off, whatever, like a paraglider. Mm -hmm. So when we land and we were excited, he was very excited. Mm. So he gave me the he teach me to fly the paraglider right there. So I start flying the paraglider there. And he gave me the three paragliders that he built he, himself. Wow. He gave it to me. Wow. Bring it to Mexico, teach and develop the sport. Amazing. So I bring those paragliders to Mexico and I start flying paragliders there. But the they those paragliders were really bad, you know. <laughs> you, you don't fly. I mean, you <laughs> just go down. Just go down, and I try in Valle. I don't. I don't even reach the landing. <laughs> I land in a very small soccer field, which is down there. But you can manage to land in a very small field because it, yeah. th they don't fly. You know, <laughs> you just go one to one or two to one or something <laughs> like that. So. Um, I I flew the paragliders, but I never quit to fly hang gliders. Mm. Then the paragliding were developing. I never never stopped to fly paragliders, but uh, but uh, keep a lot of time to convince myself. Yeah. Then I saw this time where paragliding was really dangerous when they start to. Like in hang gliders, when they start to to open it and Get better, glide. better glide and this, but they were like dangerous, no? Yeah, yeah. So I was looking at the pilots, the paraglider pilots, like, oh, these guys, they have balls, and I don't want to to do the same with the rogalos, you know. I I thought I survived that time. Uh, I don't want to survive another time, you know. Right. <laughs> it's like. I, I'm gonna keep. I, I'm gonna keep looking. You know, mm. how, how keep looking and see how how it goes. But here and there, I was flying. You know, mm. then I I I fall into the trees. Remember that photograph? Yeah, yeah. Well, I fall that into the trees because the problem is that you fly the paraglider and you know how to fly and the thermals and you get into a thermal and you just turn. It's like you turn and you want to go up, yeah. but suddenly, you know, you have these collapses and you don't know what to do. And and then so I fall into the trees one day and I quit flying paragliders for a while. Mm -hmm. Then um, I, I saw pilots coming in with paragliders, more paragliders. Every time, uh, you know, the, the days passed and more paragliders and more paragliders. So I, I I never quit flying paragliders, but it keep me some time. Then I got a voodoo from Airwave. Yeah. And uh, so then I, I start I, I I start doing some cross country from El Peñon and I saw Dixon White also when I was flying hang gliders. Dixon was one of the first um, Americans that make some trips to, to value with paragliders mm. and uh, 
Some people in town told me there are some gringos flying at nine o'clock in El Peñón and climbing a thousand meters. And I said, it's impossible. We, we, we always go to one o'clock with a hang glider. And we, we thought that thermals are from one o'clock to, but not nine o'clock. Yes, they believe me. So I went there with my friend at nine o'clock and there were, they were flying up very high, Dixon and Granger banks with those um, rainbow Adele paragliders. Yeah. And, a, and a German friend gave me one of his paragliders, uh, like a school paraglider, very basic. And I jump in and fly uh, towards them and I reach them on the same thermal. And I flew to Valle because I knew the, the way and I land in Valle and I was very excited. It was my first cross-country fly from, from El Peñón to Valle, you know. Yeah. So I was really excited. And uh, after that flight, Dixon came to me because they were trying to fly to Valle for the whole month and yeah. I, they couldn't make it. So I explained the way. I didn't explain the way the first time because Dixon was a really, um, he didn't, I, I was on the road hitching um, yeah. and he didn't pick me up <laughs> because he didn't know me. On his own then. No, so yeah. I hate him, you know, I, I said, <laughs> what, what? So I, I went to Peñón by my own, fly to Valle, mm -hmm. and then they came to ask me and I, I didn't say nothing. He, they were flying in the wrong the wrong way yeah. because they w went to the tanque de gas the yeah. Jovan yeah. and fly they tried to fly into the wind yes yeah, yeah. with the with the stability of the lake yeah and you you have to do it through the in, uh, convergence yeah, yes yeah. so the second time I arrived to Bali again the second day so it was until the second day they came really serious to 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 ask me how I was doing that so I start telling all these stories that I yeah. telling you now yeah. and then he was like oh wait so he understand that I had experience <laughs> so <clears throat> the, the so um, what happened it was the the next month I was in Arizona with him I really? went to visit him and uh, really nice, you know, yeah. he opened his house to me and uh, I was spending a lot of time with him learning uh, all the Ushpa, whatever. He, he gave me my first paragliding license from the Ushpa yeah. and then uh, we became friends somehow, you know. And uh, so from there, I, 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 I uh, like jumping to paragliding. Wow. So it was in 2002, two, and in the year 2000, I really quit flying hang gliders. Mm. Uh, I went to Italy. I went to the World hang glide Paragliding Championships in 1999 mm -hmm. in Austria, in Pinsgau. Okay. Uh, to do the paragliding worlds. <clears throat> um, and I, from that uh, world championships, I went to Italy 
for the hang gliding worlds. So I did both in the same summer wow, cool. with um, with Chris Mueller also. Yeah. Chris and me were were the f we we met we flew the paragliding in Austria, yeah. and also we flew the hang gliding in Italy. Really? Both, but that time I was sponsored by Nova yeah. because. I would like to tell you this story because uh, the Nova guys, Mike Kung, Walter Holzmüller, all these Austrians, yeah. they came to Mexico in 97 to make uh, his catalog of photographs. Mm -hmm. They wanted to, to do it. They, they were doing this catalog in many countries. So they thought, let's go to Mexico. So they contact me because... Um, mm, the photographer, photographer Ulrich Grill, mm. I'm, it's a friend, so really? he, he told me, uh, the Nova guys once, so whatever. So I helped them out. So when they come, they told me, okay, these guys, our team, they don't want to fly in any flying site. They, they want whatever, mm. just for, for pictures. So they hired me, but uh, they, but they didn't allow me to fly. I was just the driver. Huh. And um, so I start to hate them because uh, after two one week, I just was the driver driving around, yeah. driving around. And it was incredible to see them, you know, that because my Kung and, and yeah. they were doing incredible stuff. They flew from the pyramids and they flew in very amazing places. Mm. And then after one, two weeks, I start talking about all these stories again, and uh, okay, they allowed me to fly the Filu, which is the basic glider, you know, yeah. and they put me to do some st some things. And uh, the next day, they give me a better glider, and next day, better glider. <laughs> oh, he can fly. Yes. <laughs> and, and they they start to tell me, okay, you you can you have to do. Uh, full stall here and this and the other were doing very organized very professionals and uh, so after the treat the all these they were happy with their work and they lend me a taxi a tandem they pay me very good and they sponsor me for about six years wow. they yeah, send me every year a, a new glider, the expert and this and that. Yeah. I flew in Austria at that World Championships. One of the, there was like four or five prototypes, the X-79, very uh, extreme paraglider. Yeah. And also they modified it after the it was named Krypton, the Krypton. Yeah. So I, I used to fly that glider also. Mm -hmm. So I was like a, I I, I was <laughs> yeah I, yeah exactly. <laughs> See, it was funny. So I I uh, I did the, those championships, and in two thousand after that championship, uh, hang gliding, I quit, like okay. uh, only paragliders. Mm. Yes. And then w was this, was Alas de Lombre at that point uh, very much a going concern? It was, you know, that's the, 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 
can I imagine it then like it is now or a much smaller? I mean, it was, but that was really still your business or were at this point were you still just free flying and going to competitions? Well, I have some, uh, it's difficult to be a, a competition pilot and, fly, and uh, flying and also doing business, you know, yeah. it's difficult. Yeah. So what I did was, um, I got uh, like um, a good team. I work hard to make a, a team yeah. that knows the business and knows what we have to do. Um, which uh, one of the important things is that you have to put all in like in in a system. You you have to have a program or system for everything, like. Uh, uh, how to teach is here you know? so we i what i did is uh, like a manuals for everything mm. um we we trained we we, we um learn and we we get into a um, program is made by the government it's called m m system m mother moderniza modern mm -hmm which is from the tourism office. It's like uh, ISO 2000, yeah. kind of, mm -hmm. where they teach how to manage a co company for tourism purpose. And um, so you put the whole company like in books and a system for everything. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the, the, the techniques and or systems come from Japan, like the 5S. Mm -hmm for cleaning and having everything in place, organized. So every, it keeps a lot of time to to teach and, and all the people. Um, since the, the guy who drives, the guy who cleans, the guy who uh, is selling. So f about uh, keeps like maybe five years to get into this place. Mm. And uh, now it's working perfect. Like everybody knows what to do. And um, one of the main things that probably give Alas del Hombre the big difference between the other companies is that since young, I used to always look for sponsors. Uh, it's because I saw all sports they have sponsors, you know, football, yeah. everything. Yeah. So I said, Paraglide must have sponsors. And it's very, as I tell you, it still has a lot of impact into the people, a paraglider in Mexico, at mm -hmm. least. Yeah. So we should put brands on the paragliders. So I worked in that for many years, even in the hang gliders. I, I used to have uh, many companies uh, sponsoring me mm -hmm. as a pilot mm -hmm. but it's not it's not um, interesting for a, um, a sponsor to, to just to uh, sponsor. sponsor one guy yeah. you need to a big companies they want to spend lots of money if you ask for one thousand dollars they don't even they don't listen, even listen. Yeah. but if you have a project like for hundred thousand dollars 
maybe they will look for it if it's interesting. So I start, I work a lot. I work my ass off, as you said, yes. <laughs> for years until I got um, uh, Telcel, mm -hmm. the company of the biggest company in Mexico, the phone. I got three gliders for, for them. And uh, there, uh, when I have these paragliders, three paragliders, uh, there was another, the marketing director of Nextel, which is the, the um, competition, mm -hmm. came to Valle and saw this Telcel and he came to me and says, mm, I'm from, from the one. competition. And I, uh, I don't want these gliders flying around. I want my company. Right. So I said, okay, perfect, perfect. <laughs> but it's going to cost you. Okay. Then it's not, it doesn't matter. So I teach him to fly also. Wow. And then they sponsor me for 10 years. They bought me every time, every three years, at least uh, 10 to 15 paragliders. So the tandem paragliders and they sponsor Monarca. And I think from there, Alas went, get a huge yeah. jump into yeah. the space. <laughs> yeah. And then it happened that uh, AT&T, the American big company, telephone, bought uh, by Nextel three years ago. So I was really worried because we didn't know what's going to happen. But again, I have a lot of luck because the director of marketing, uh, they, they came to, to um, rescue Nextel because actually Nextel was getting mm -hmm. out of the business. They have this like radio thing yeah. and uh, the radio didn't work now with the WhatsApp and all that. Yeah. So what they so they came to rescue the company and the guy was like the marketing director was okay this project out this out 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 like this until it gets to alas the lombre and says wow i want to learn so he kept the project for another three years i teach him to fly and um and then at&t came and buy the company and I was like, oof, what's going to happen? And again, they, they put all projects out and saw our project and says, okay, because it, after 10 years, it's, if a project runs for 10 years, it's because it's good, yeah. you know? Yeah. So they keep it. We, they keep it for another, now it's three years. Ah, it's good to know the history of this because we all, in at, at home, it, it, around the world, everybody says, you know, that you, Miguel and your team, you run the best comps of anybody. You know, it's just so organized and it has sponsors. And I, I think you're the shining example of what could happen, you know, because it's, it's a, but like you said, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of dedication and and uh, you are the master. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, I'm, I'm always grateful because, because I, uh, I've been lucky, you know. But my father always says, lucky comes if you, if you look for it. Because if you stay in your home and you don't look for luck, it's not going to come. 
yeah. you have to go and, and, and to seek it out. Yes. <clears throat> Miguel, uh, I think that's a good note to finish on a little bit of advice from your, from your dad. I, I, uh, this is a, a, a real pleasure to hear these stories. Uh, I didn't know hardly any of that. That's amazing. It's, a, it's so fun to, to have this, this time with you and be able to share this new site with you. Uh, it's an exa exciting place to, to race paragliders. I think everybody here is just uh, over the top happy, you know, so we have one more day. Uh, it looks like the weather's good and I, I think we should go, go fly. Yes, let's go. All right. Well, I just want to tell um, the gringos, the American people, it's like I always look you as uh, my old, older brother, you know? You always have this incredible social way of doing things organized. It's very different than my country, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Here is, it's, it's, it's like very different mm -hmm. but uh, I I learned all the professional all my professional career I really did it in the United States you know all professional stuff I learned in Silmar mm -hmm. and uh, Chris Santa Croce invited me to Sun Valley so I, I, I really learned a lot how to do the professional way in, in the United States and I, I I'm always being will be very grateful to you guys and uh, and uh, well the project in Zapotiltic is is for you guys also because uh, you are very welcome to come and if, if you want to make tours or I, I will help you out no I don't I, I'm not expecting to have a business for this it's just helping you to come with your bodies and fly here I can help you whatever you need so I, I'm sure this will be like a, a good place, like Valle, yeah, because Valle now it's it's full. Yeah, another another Valle, another. Yeah. Uh, it's exciting to fly new places and learn new things, and makes you a better pilot. And yeah. So you're very welcome. Thank you, thank you, Miguel. And it's it's also an honor for me. Appreciate it. Me too. Thank you very much. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. So cool. I just, man, I was smiling the whole time listening to Miguel recount those incredible stories. We got cut off way too early. I would have liked to keep going and going and going, but we were heading up for the last task down there in Zapolta Tech. Uh, again, as, as I said at the top of the show, you've got to check this place out. Just a fantastic place to race paragliders. So many possibilities. Really cool venue. Many thanks to Jockey Sanderson for uh, being the meet director there and all the wonderful people who made that possible and the incredible team at Alaska Lombre. That was a real honor to be there and very special to be at the first one. And I can't wait to come down every year. As always, if you got something out of this show, this is a listener-supported podcast. We only get funds from you, the listeners. So uh, if you enjoyed it, you got something out of it or one of the previous shows, or if you're just discovering the podcast, make sure you go back and check out the uh, more than 55 episodes we've had now with uh, some of the best pilots in the world. There is so much incredible knowledge there uh, that you need to become a better, safer uh, pilot who sends it hard. So check those out. Uh, if you can support us, awesome. If you can't, 
that's totally okay. But uh, we'd love to see, for you to support us. You can find those links on the cloudbasedmayhem.com. That'll take you either to PayPal for a one-off donation, or you can sign up through patreon.com forward slash cloudbasedmayhem if you want to be a kind of a member of the support. And you can kind of set it and forget it there. And uh, it's totally on us. You only pay when we put out content. And as a Patreon supporter, you get all kinds of bonus stuff like the bonus episode with Kriegel and myself about the X-Alps and Larry Tudor Magic Bus Show and the recent one we just put out with Nikki Longshore, who recently won the Gecko Challenge, and a lot more. We've got more coming your way, and we'll see you on the next show. Thanks so much. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.